Uh, welcome to Focus Schools podcast, Leading for Impact. My name is Brett Bishop, and um, one of the Focus Schools team, and love my opportunity to, to do so. And I'm here today, joined by my colleague and friend Kathy Crum. How are you, Kathy? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Good, good. Um, I'm excited because we are sort of launched in a journey of. Focus Framework 4, which of course is one of our favorites, and it, the idea of having a targeted professional development plan. And we've got four um, of these Focus and Flash shorter podcasts designed each one to do a little information for people about one of the four effective strategies of targeted professional development that we believe are so important. You may have, if as a listener, already heard our first one, which was on the idea of building expertise. Um, and then the second one today is on monitoring change of practice. And then we will continue with a third one, which will look at how we use student performance to to see how how we're doing. And then um, the last one is communicating relentlessly. So we hope you listen to all four, but this is the second of the four. And today we're just gonna be talking about how we can think about taking all this cool building of expertise that we do, but really making sure that it does change practice in the classroom. So Kathy, I wonder if you could sort of tee us off here and talk a little bit about uh, that aspect of professional development. Yeah, I love to. So um, this change of practice piece, I think for me anyway, was one that I totally didn't do well enough. For me, in my opinion, this might be the most important part because this is where you get to really have conversation. So the way we teach it in focus schools, we say that school staff will hold each other mutually accountable through regular collaboration visits to the classroom, either remote or in person, formal and informal feedback by from each other, and maybe by the principal, of course, um, down the line, the principal and others um, who have expertise. So lots of moving parts to that. When I think about it, I think of change of practice really as the time when you get to have the conversation about, whoa, okay, we're going to try this new thing. What is this really going to look like in my classroom? So I use the um, guided reading in the first um, podcast. We talked about this and to just think about, okay, if I'm going to start doing guided reading, I'm going to learn all these things from the book and people are going to teach me about it. But wait a minute. Now, when I go back to my classroom, well, what am I going to have to do? So I get an opportunity to talk with my team, talk with the ILT about wow, we're going to have classroom libraries now. We're going to level the books. We're going to have these little book pouches. We're going to, you know, the rugs, everything. We're going to have maybe a different schedule. Maybe we're going to have some of your kids are going to come to me and some of my kids are going to go to you. We're going to, I mean, it really does totally change my classroom. And so the time for me to talk about what that's going to look like and also then how I'm going to talk to my students about it is critical before we even start this, guys. Hey, you know what? No longer am I going to do the reading this way. Now we're going to do it this way. And this is why, and this is how. So, I mean, for me as a learner, when I get to talk about what my new, how, how, what's this actually going to mean to me when I do this new thing, I'm all in, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm ready. Then I'm, then I can get excited because I can make it my own and it fits into my context. So, and it's just, it's just a really important piece of this whole thing that we often miss. We often go straight from, okay, we're going to teach you this. And then we're going to come and see if you do it. Mm -hmm. And we miss the whole part about, wait a minute, I get to talk about this a little bit and I get to internalize this a little bit. So have you found that in secondary too, Brett? 
Yeah. And I love how you describe that because one of the things I think we often do is we leap to sort of the positional power aspect of changing practice. In, in other words, oh, we need the people who are doing the evaluations to come in and we, we always use the term hold people accountable. I, I love when we talk about mutual accountability, things we're agreeing to hold each other mutually accountable for. And, um, you know, we've, we've learned from lots of people around the country doing all kinds of research about school leadership that, you know, formerly leaders were thought of as sort of the sheriff of the rules. And now we've shifted them to be more the guardians of the agreements. And I love that kind of thinking in schools. And this is one of the places where it lives, in my opinion, in the focus schools work, because this is a place where if I'm a high school teacher and I have come to my, my job because of a love I have for mathematics, say, for example, and I, you know, teach, you know, multiple sections of math during the day and I go to professional development and I hear people talking about how our school is going to have an instructional focus of, you know, reading to know, writing to show or writing to show critical thinking. I think, no, that's for everybody else. I'm a math teacher. My thoughts can usually be a toggle switch of either, no, that's not for me, or I'm going to get overwhelmed. And what we don't want is either of those things to happen. We want it to be more in the middle. And in the best work in secondary schools, to me, it's often that people are allowed to ask questions and to practice and to have someone else visit their classroom and they visit someone else's classroom. And so to me, that's not only helping us get better at teaching and learning, but it's also changing culture. You know, it's yeah. making the school be more a place for where kids are going to thrive. Yeah. You know, and it's also, I think, um, you know, coaching question, we always ask, you know, what will success look like? Right. Mm. And so it's almost creating your, creating your own look for at the beginning. So rather than waiting until the district comes with their coach and their checklist and say, okay, we're coming to do, you know, the, with our look for documents, you go, oh, no, 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 we already created ours. You know, we already know what to look for and we've already been looking for it. So here, use mm. ours. And yep. so when I think about it that way, I'm like, whoa, yeah, then that's not pressure on the teachers um, because they already know, yeah, we, we're, we're trying this. And not only do we know, kids know what we're looking for too. ask them, mm. you know, ask them what it looks like to do well with close reading, ask, ask them what it looks like to find a book that's at their level and everything like that. So it's just, um, it's a small shift, but it's also a really huge shift, you know, mm. to think about that practice change and us being in charge of what it's going to look like in our classrooms and in our school. Yeah, and I love the idea of it being sort of this um, collaborative journey that the whole staff and the kids get on together um, and thinking of it that way and sort of believing in all of those stakeholders, believing yourself as leaders, believing in the teachers as teachers and the kids as students to say, yeah, we're all, we're all going to get there, and, but we're going we're gonna to push ourselves to do it. And you, you mentioned this, the, the idea of, you know, the, the look for document. And I love the clarity of those documents when they're developed by the people who are actually doing the work. Um, so to me, the question is always, to what degree have the people doing the work been involved in developing the for document? Exactly. That's a big one. And then the other one is, to what degree are they then part of going to do the looking for? Right. Um, you know, so when it, when it shifts in those directions, I think that's when you see the real transformation and the powerful uh, moving. I guess it, to me, it's, it's just, it's moving it, moving it beyond pressure and, and, you know, having it be more like sort of 80% support and 20% pressure or something. Right. Right. I, I, I think that this is just a real literal example, but um, I remember one school that I was working with a couple of years ago and big, big, big elementary school with lots of classrooms, I think four or five at each room. And, you know, one of the things was classroom libraries that they really had gotten a lot of dollars and they were starting to, you know, get, you know, that's beautiful that you get, 
eight million books. And then all of a sudden it's going, oh my gosh, I got a million books. What am I going to do? What, what do I do with these? <laughs> Hang on, what do I do with these yeah. things? So they, decided, <laughs> they decided, you know, of course, these classroom libraries. And of course, some of the teachers are very creative and they're, you know, have rugs and they have cute little chairs and they have, you know, just lamps in the whole nine yards and, you know, even things like coming from the ceiling and everything. And then other teachers didn't, but when they got to talk about these things, the teachers that knew that they were not going to be able to put put that classroom um, library together in such a way that everybody would want to just come in and lie down and read. I mean, literally looks at and says, um, can you come and make mine? Because I know that mine is not going to look as good as yours. So can we do this together? Yeah. I'm like, perfect. Rather than someone who doesn't really like doing those sort of things, feeling so much pressure about it, you, you know, so that was just a very literal example to me of, um, it gave me goosebumps when it happened of how someone who knew that she wasn't going to be able to make this cute and fuzzy thing just said, can you come and help me and everything. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's what, that's what happens when you decide together what it's going to look like. And then if somebody really is dragging their feet or whatever, I've seen also teachers go, okay, you need help. You don't have your library ready yet. You need help. And then, mm-hmm. okay. You know, yes. so. Yeah. That's yeah. the, that's the thing that's at the core of all that I think is, um, lots of choice, lots of support, but also really clear sort of standards that we're all getting to and how, when we're going to be expecting to get there. Um, because, you know, in any group of human beings, there are going to be people who are the, you know, off the cliff, ready to go early adopters. We're in, don't, you know, don't worry, worry about me. I'm going to do it. And then there are people who are at the other end who, you know, they need to see it. They, they, you know, they're scientists. They need to prove it to me first. I need to see someone else like all of that. And to me, that's all okay. That's just human nature. But I think it's um, good for schools to recognize that the, the, the key is all means all everybody's going to get there eventually. Um, And people, the the variable is time, but, and support, but um, everybody's going to get there eventually. So, um, I mean, uh, yeah, student talk, you know, students talking to each other. That's something that I hear in all levels of school, right? And then oftentimes, though, we, I have the high school in the district where I live right now. When to right now, if I would go in there, I know that the chairs would be, unfortunately, the, the desk would be in rows. And, you know, I'm so then even for the teachers in that school to talk about well, what will your room look like if it's if there's opportunities for students to talk, students to talk, then it would look like maybe they're not in rows anymore. Simple stuff like that. You know, maybe there's four desks or five desks together, or maybe the teacher says, you know, we have a lot of, um, let's maybe get out of desk and let's start having tables and just little shifts like that that seem that are seem small when you're talking about them, but they could change everything about your classroom. So mm. that just really all comes from those conversations and people getting excited about the possibilities. Yeah. And I also, um, when you were talking before, I think that there's sort of a feeling of abundance behind that rather than a feeling of scarcity. So it's like, we're all going to get there. And I think that's to me mirrors the feeling that I get when I'm in the most effective teachers classrooms, whether it's three-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 18-year-olds. Um, every kid in there feels like, yeah, I, there's no way I can fail because he or she is at the front of this room and they, they, it's just not going to happen with them here. They're going to make sure I succeed. And I think we have to sort of take that perspective in our work with adults and professional development is create that feeling of abundance. So people will take chances. Um, they will, they will feel okay, feeling vulnerable. They'll feel okay. You know, like you said, saying, you know what, I'm not going to be able to get my classroom to look like that. Can someone help me? Um, yeah. You know, so I think it makes a big difference. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to um, take this opportunity to, to, if anything you want to add to this aspect of the effective strategies before we close. 
Um, you know, I would just say that um, that just as leaders that are listening to this, it's to me, it's like the step during or right after when we learn the new thing or all along the way. It's like, okay, here now we learned this. Okay, stop. Now let's really have this conversation and this collaboration about how this is really going to look in my room. And it might be that conversation might even be more important than <laughs> it to me than than what they learned. That, that they got to have the conversation about it is the gold. Yeah. And it certainly will be what they remember. Yeah. You know, I've, I've felt that before when I've thought, wow, gee, I said something really amazing in front of a group of people and they, all they remembered was their ability to talk to each other. Right. And so it's like, yeah, I just got to, you know, realize that that's what really helps people. It's mm-hmm. not some words from one person, but lots of opportunities for themselves to talk to colleagues. So yeah, that's really powerful. This to me, this journey we're taking through these four strategies, I think is really going to be helpful for uh, folks who are listening. And I want to thank you, Kathy, for partnering along the way with me on this. And also want to thank those who have taken the time to listen, because if you are, it probably means that you're leading a school, working with kids and um, probably are ex- already June tired by October. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to thank you for all you're doing for those kids and also invite you to listen into lots of a podcast. We have lots of different ones posted for you. Um, read our blog. Uh, go on to our website and you can see the social media pages we have. We like to post lots of things that are going on around the country with other folks who are doing the same work that you are. Um, and we invite you to join in there. Um, we love anything that you want to share with us. We'd love to be have this communication be two-way. So certainly please join in with us. Thank you for all you're doing for kids. And thank you, Kathy, for your time today on this podcast. Thank you.